Welcome to Pathless Podcast. This is a special episode for the Lightlessness Campaign. I'm here with my brother, Reed. I'm the DM, Ben Ballard. Say hi, Reed. Hi, Reed. Cool, perfect. Uh, we're just uh, deciding to add a little audio component to our recent post that this is of, which is the background for Corian Zillicent, the Duke, uh, well, son of the Duke of Mercy, and that is who Reed plays. Reed, would you like to say anything about Corian? Um, Corian will become more fantastic the longer I play him, so look forward to it. Cool. That's everything that we need. So honestly, if you would rather read this, you can. You can go online, click on the link in this. Uh, it's pathlesspod.com, and it's going to be the most recent post. Hopefully when you hear this, if this is the backlog, then click on the post inside of the show notes. But we're going to have some fun, and we're going to read it to you for those who are lazy or driving, and you shouldn't be looking at your phone while driving. In most states, it's illegal, so I think in all of them, actually. So Reed, do you want to get us started off and just, uh, you know, Maybe do the best elven voice that you have, and I'll try to read in a dwarven voice, and we'll see how we get. All right, I can try at any rate. <laughs> okay, yeah. And if it doesn't work, just switch to human voice. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think you have that one down by now. We'll find out. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. All right, go ahead and kick us All off. Koyan right. Zillison's father is Penlad Zillison, Duke of Marisi. He is part of the original elves who inhabited this land that was claimed by and united as Felicia by a human Murdoch Strommel 350 years ago. And Murdoch Strommel is his actual name, but when I wrote these notes, I just had to put human before it. It's not human middle name Murdoch last name Strommel. So we're all on the same page. And just so that we're all on the same page, that's not actually part of what's written here. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, let me get my dwarf voice ready. Mm. <clears throat> Being of... Oh, that's like orc voice. Let's try this again. I haven't done a dwarf in a while. That's kind of sad. Your your uh, elf barbarian sounds a bit dwarf. Half elf barbarian. I don't even remember how his voice is. <laughs> gotcha. Keeping track of voices, like, it's a talent. There's a lot of really talented people in the world. It's not us. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Being of noble line, with a father who was there to see it all happen, Corian was privileged to learn the true history behind Felicia's uniting, the history told and taught by others under orders of the last nine rulers, who are unnamed at this point in the campaign. That was, that was a pretty good movie voice, so you should probably keep that as your movie voice. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> the human Murdoch Strumold came to this land with 10,000 men of many races. Majority elven and human. They were all slaves until Murdoch led a rebellion, and they fled from their land across the Tiber Sea. They worked within a plant creating clockworks for a man known as the Emerald King in the land of Samara, and had stolen parts over time to build a large raft like hovercraft, which Murdoch had designed. When it had completed, Murdoch convinced all the plant workers across the a large hole of the land's assemblies to destroy their workplaces and those clockworks that were in charge of reporting back to the king or winding his soldiers. Mm, they made it to the land now known as Felicia and vowed to gain support through alliances and use their tools and knowledge to build up a force to protect if the Emerald King sent minions across the ocean. 
Felicia was mainly inhabited by spaced-out families of elves, some druidic in nature, some smoking weed, <laughs> sects of dwarves which kept separate from the elves, and a united society of dragonborns with provinces throughout the land. The elves welcomed their brothers in the race among their people. Does that make sense? The elves welcomed their brothers in the race among their people and supported their brothers' friends. I, I, I think the, the point behind that is that there was elves and humans who came from Samara down south into Felicia up north where the land was already inhabited and the elves of Felicia, which wasn't Felicia at that point, but Murdoch called it Felicia, were like, well, you're our elven brothers and we're hippies. We'll take it in and these are your friends, which are humans, but we'll take them in as well. So, go ahead. The dwarves were promised technology from Samara if they were to share their land and help. But the dragonborns threatened to send the slaves back to their master, as this was their way and beliefs. Because of this, the elves, out of a desire to protect their kin and dwarves interested in the technology, and Murdoch with his army of 10,000, went to each province and asked for amnesty. If this was not granted, they were forced to destroy that province. They were forced to destroy the province? They had no choice? <laughs> You know what? Um, let's just say that I don't know. <laughs> we'll leave that one up to the game to uh, make clearer. Okay. It's like uh, fancy lore. Mm. Ultimately, to this day, no one has ever come from Samara to regain their slaves. So the Dragonborns got screwed. Yeah. Or the people won because the Dragonborns could have sent them back. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Elven history, Murdoch had found safety and employment by the elves who allowed them to live alongside their people. This, though, was not enough for Murdoch, who, still free, felt as though he just went from working from one master to another. He schemed with his now freed elven companions to sow the need for a united kingdom due to the threat that the Emerald King would be to their land and how he would ravage nature with his poison. The elves, being peaceful people who desperately desired to protect nature, were easily convinced. Actually, quick interruption. I forgot to say that, um, so this is the true history. This is the history that the elves know. The history that you heard before, it's, it's going to be like a retelling of what we just told, um, but with a little bit more information, I guess. I think. Go ahead. All right, good deal. Murdoch sent forth himself as leader and with the support of his elves, brought his united treaty to all the people of the land. The dwarves joined the nation for technology to sunder stone like never before, and cut precious stones in ways never thought achievable. The elves agreed to rule provinces of land they already owned and take on the exiles. But the dragonborn people did not fear the Emerald King and were content not being part of a nation. They were not against its formation only asked to keep their land and be worked around within the nation as separate ter territories. Murdoch feared a people not under his control and spread the lie among all the people that the Dragonborns would sell them back to the Emerald King, that they were a threat to unity and peace, they the Dragonborns. Murdoch's Ten Thousands, Fear of Slavery, and that uh, Murdoch's Ten Thousand is like a nickname for the people who came along with Murdoch. Gotcha. The elves' fear of destruction of their nature, and the dwarves' fear of a loss of precious stone that they would have gotten if they had the technology <laughs> from Murdoch, 
fed the lie until all were willing to raid peaceful dragonborn camps without discussion with its people or warning the people there because ben's a bad writer killing many and driving them north from the south which is why the dragonborns are where they are far north in felicia well where they were but i don't think germs explained that yet so look forward to a future episode good yep. the battle continued until it reached the mountains of verin wherein where an esta- est- oh dear <laughs> this is bad writing <laughs> where an estimated population of 40 dragonborns destroyed a greater army of 4000 pursuing soldiers within one day penlod not a fighter but there was a penlod was not a fighter but there was a tale of the gods of the dragons ending this eternal internal war with the dragonborn numbers so few by this point, Murdoch completely completed his kingdom preparations of clearing out most of the internal lands and began building up his army and empire. In time, the technology, his fellow slaves, produced, convinced, and replaced the olden ways of many elves who found lives of leisure. They were attracted to the life within cities and the affluence it brought. Elves, being the primary landowners and riches, moved from their forests there. This is the fate of much of the South, where elves sold their land as stock and trading to technology tycoons known as forge tycoons, or unions known as forge unions, who wished to rise on the economic ladder, economics as in gold, platinum, silver, and copper. There are a few noble elves in the north who have not forsaken their ways, maybe due to their resolve, or maybe to the distance from the great enticing city. Insert Fingen Merryweather here. Or, Merryweather. Or, or you know, maybe they're just old and senile and don't realize that they could be making bank off of selling their land and financing te- uh, forged technology. And it's written <laughs> that money isn't everything. <laughs> Um, so next, it looks like I've got the description of Marisi here, just so that you know that we aren't continuing with history. Marisi is plain plans-type land just north of the capital, in what would be considered Midland. You know, you could just autocorrect it for me instead of <laughs> reading exactly what I wrote. <laughs> but it's more fun this way. Okay. Its land is fertile due to its location on the fork of the Chinata, Felicia's longest and largest river, and the Trina, a river that forks off the Trinata. The land of Marisi serves as basic training for the nation's army, and it has been so since Murdoch started the nation. Additionally, Penlock collects monthly salary for the use of his land and pays no taxes for the past 350 years. Yay, yay. Because money isn't everything. <laughs> That's right. Quarion's mother is unknown and left while he was very young. His father has never given him information other than that she ran away with a lot of money. Quarion has never seen his father leave the estate and does not believe he has ever chased after her. Now he has mommy and daddy issues. Yes, <laughs> <Just> darn it. <laughs> uh. North on Trinata is a small farming town known as Galdahan, which supplies food to Marisi for the army and Penlad. It is a different kind of farm in that elvish owner, Rog, 
is direct descendant of the original owner still alive, urine. The farm is known for its natural druidic ways of caring for the land and employs elves, half-elves, and humans as equal owners of the estate. Some argue that its food is the best, but many in a blind test cannot tell the difference. So this completes a theatrical reading for Corian Zillison's background, played by Reed Ballard in the campaign known as Lightlessness. So, Reed, uh, anything you think we really missed out on or need to add? I mean, history-wise, that's the history. So, the, the only other things would... No, I guess not. Is this information completely useless to the campaign? Is it completely useless? Prob from a gameplay perspective. Pro from a gameplay perspective? I mean, from a munchkin power gamer perspective, I guess. But, I mean, it feeds into a lot of how Corian behaves, so... I don't... I, I, I appreciate it. Okay. Do you think that you're going to look for your mother at all? I actually do not think that is a priority, no, though I imagine at some point there will be an opportunity. Would you say that elves just want to have fun? Um, unless you are a Finkin' Merryweather, in, in which case you just want to work your farm. So that's a yes. Yes, that's a yes. Corian's taste in women, would he rather be with Rita or Mytho? Wow, really? Those are my options. <laughs> I... Oh, well, you can pick the red-haired elven chick who was a guide for the Ketru Path. Honestly, I guess... Maybe Rita, just because Corian probably likes arguing. Okay, that's, that's a good answer. If Corian could have anything in the world, what would it be? I mean, basically, at this point, he's just living to get his own estate, so uh, he doesn't have many goals beyond that point. He just expects to end up being another rich elf noble on a plot of land. This brings up a good Oprah moment. Would you be willing to pull in Algon Merrywind on your own father for your own estate? No. Mm -mm. Would you be willing to pay a man to pull in Algon Merrywind? on your father for your own estate no i mean that would be way beneath quarion like he is extremely close to paladin level basically okay good to know uh that's all i can come up with so any closing words i guess thanks everybody for watching and listening to this particular podcast episode look forward to the rest of them uh we should be Getting into some more fun very shortly. Just remember, elves just want to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>